All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason, and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is the podcast where we're dissecting, we're exploring, we are learning the technical and non-technical aspects of investment banking because in order to pivot, in order to transition, in order to transform our skill set to that of an investment banker, guess what? We're going to need to have some knowledge. We're going to need to have some skills. And my goal here is to help you on that journey as I'm walking on that journey myself. And we've been going through a lot of accounting concepts. We talked about connections within the financial statements. And I want to wrap this section up by talking about some key concepts, rules that you should know when it comes to connecting the financial statements. And I also have some other notes for you of some little idiosyncrasies that I think are important as well. So first of all, we need to understand that net income, which is the bottom part of the income statement, also known as the bottom line, is reflected on the top line of the cash flow statements. Remember this connection. The net income at the bottom of the income statement is reflected at the top of the cash flow statements. Then what happens to the cash flow statement? The cash flow statement then adjusts for all of the non-cash expenses to result in the final cash amount at the end of the period. That's number one. Now we're going to come back to this here in a couple of minutes to talk about an interesting concept, but I don't want to get too carried away here without going over some other kind of universal things to remember here about connections between the financial statements. Next, I also want you to remember that when an asset goes up on the balance sheet, cash goes down on the cash flow statement. When an asset goes up on the balance sheet, cash goes down on the cash flow statement. And I want to provide an example for you. Think about a company that purchases raw materials from a vendor. This is an asset that costs money, right? So if it increases, that means the cash was used to pay for it. So cash goes down. Makes sense? So you're using cash on the cash flow statement. So it goes down. But on the balance sheet, you gain something for spending that money. And that's your raw materials. So that's an example of when an asset goes up on the balance sheet, cash goes down on the cash flow statements. Now, likewise, next thing to remember, when a liability goes up on the balance sheet, cash goes up on the cash flow statement. When a liability goes up on the balance sheet, cash goes up on the cash flow statements. Now, here's an example of this happening. And at first, I was a little confused when I was learning this, like, wait a minute, if liability goes up on the balance sheet, why does cash flow go up on the cash flow statement? Well, it's because here's it's just an example. When a company raises debt from investors, we talked about a company borrowing money a few episodes ago. So that borrowed money is now a liability on the balance sheet. That's debt that the company has taken out. So your liability is going up. And then the borrowed money is also a cash inflow to the corporation. So cash flow increases on the cash flow statement. So we can see that linkage there. Cash is increasing. We just borrowed some money. All right, now we have it. And on the balance sheets, it's also a liability now. Now, another thing to remember is that each balance sheet item 
is reflected once and only once on the cash flow statement. There's no duplication. And the opposite is also true. If there's an item on the cash flow statement, it's reflected once and only once on the balance sheet. Now, as an example, if we look at the cash flow statement in the investing cash flow section, you might see an outflow for the purchase of property, plant, and equipment, PP&E. And then on the balance sheet, you would see a proportional increase in the value of that PP&E in the asset section. So that's an example of a linkage. There's, not a, there's no duplication there. So just to recap, we talked about the fact that net income from the bottom of the income statement is reflected at the top line of the cash flow statement. That's number one. Number two is when an asset goes up on the balance sheet, cash goes down on the cash flow statement because we paid for something, right? And we need cash to pay for things. Number three is when a liability goes up on the balance sheet, cash goes up on the cash flow statement. Think about the example of borrowing money. And then number four, each balance sheet item is reflected once and only once on the cash flow statement. There's no duplication. Those are some things that I want you to remember. And as we go through these examples, we're going to be going through more examples because we're about to get into the nitty gritty questions, nitty gritty accounting questions that you and I are very likely to be asked as part of our interviews. With all of this background knowledge, we now have a framework with which to actually answer the questions as opposed to just regurgitating something we read online, (laughs) which unfortunately some people do. So we're not going to do that. We're going to make sure that we understand things and then put them back together so that we can respond intelligently and with thoughtfulness. Okay, so we've covered a summary of the connections between financial statements. And there's one interesting tidbit that I just learned last night that I felt should be included here because it's something that I didn't know before with regards to connections. And that's how we talk about gains and losses when we're talking about the three financial statements, gains and losses. Now, gains and losses from the income statement are reflected in the cash flow statement as well, but the signs are flipped. So I want to explain what I mean here. So think about a company that buys a building, then later sells it for a gain. That gain shows up in the income statement, right? Or likewise, if it sells it for a loss, that loss is going to show up on the income statement. Because remember, the income statement is keeping track of profit and loss. But that also shows up on the cash flow statement. And here's how it does. Here's an example. If there is a sale of a building on the income statement, and let's say it nets a $20 gain. Let's say the corporation bought this building for $80 a long time ago. But now they decide they don't want the building anymore. And the building has increased in value. And now it's worth $100. So they sell it for $100. 100 minus 80 That's a $20 gain, right? So that's what you would record on the income statement is that $20 gain. But keep in mind, the corporation didn't actually get those $20 in cash. (laughs) You got $100 in cash, right? So the $20 gain is recorded on the income statement. Now, let's, let's look at what happens on the cash flow statement now. In the operating cash flow section, you would subtract that $20 gain because you have to adjust for it. And then in the investing cash flow section, one section down on the cash flow statement, we would do two things. We'd add back 
that $20 gain, plus we would add up the book value. Book value is just a term to say the basically the net worth assets minus liabilities value of the building, or in this case, the recorded historical value, which is $80. Okay, <laughs> I just I know I just said a lot of things, but we're gonna go over the cash flow statement section of this one more time. So on the cash flow statement, the operating cash flow section at the top, you're subtracting that $20 gain because it's a it's a non it's a non-cash gain. In the investing cash flow section, remember this is the part of the cash flow statement that accounts for these types of things that accounts for uses of cash and sources of cash relating to a business's investing activities. And when a business buys or sells property or equipment, it shows up here. So we would add back the $20 gain, plus we would add the recorded historical value of the building, which is $80. So remember, if we're looking at the cash flow statement from top to bottom, what are the three numbers that have just been impacted as part of this sale. Well, we have minus $20 at the top, plus $20 in the investing cash flow section, and then plus $100, which equals $100. And sorry, I made a mistake here. I, I mentioned $80 just a moment ago, the historical value of the building. What we're actually gonna do is add up, add back the, the market value of the building that we're selling for today. So the book value. So $100, my apologies. So negative $20 plus $20 plus $100 equals $100. That's the actual cash flow that the business got as a result of the sale. But remember on the income statement, you wouldn't see that if you only looked at the income statement. You would just see the $20 gain because that $20 gain is referencing the historical costs. You see what I'm saying? So that's just a little nuance here with regards to gains and losses. And if you wanna come up with a name for this, it's called reclassification. Reclassification, because what you're doing is you're making non-cash adjustments for gains and losses because they correspond to long-term assets that were bought in the past at some point. Maybe it was bought two years ago, maybe it was bought 20 years ago, but ultimately you're just making an adjustment for those gains and losses because of timing is how I think about it. So that's another nuance there, something that I haven't covered already, but nonetheless is a connection between the income statement and the cash flow statement. So that's what I got for you today. Understand those things uh, as far as connections. We spent a lot of time talking about connections and the reason I spent so much time talking about it <laughs> is because it's super important when it comes to answering these accounting level questions, even the basic level ones. Uh, so I hope that you've gotten something out of this. What's going to happen next? We spent several episodes talking about these things. Next, we're going to be actually walking through these potential interview questions. And so we're going to be starting with the accounting ones first, the basic level. And then after we go through those, we're going to just be tackling literally everything that's out there. I mean, my goal is to prepare you as much as possible and in doing so prepare myself as much as possible because I'm really passionate about this stuff if you, <laughs> if you couldn't tell by now. <laughs> so that's what I got for you today. Thank you for listening to Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason and I'll see you next time.